Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. You guys, okay, what everything they do at this house? He was gonna tell her everything we do at this house, and I've been doing the video wrong. He never put his little foot up in my mind. I saw him put his foot up because I figured he had to be bold to talk to his mama like that. He was going to tell her everything at this house. But I need you to make this declaration say, but everything in my house is blessed and favored. Come on, Wednesday. You better act like a little man. Say, everything in my house is blessed and favored. Can you put a praise on what you have spoken? Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat its fruit. So God, speak now speak to us with clarity speak to us with power that we move in what you've ordained in jesus name everybody said amen let's go to work church so our series of course is viral video sundays was based on the video listen linda and we began to uh, teach you about a man named jonah jonah's pedigree explained jonah's problems i taught you on sunday that the name jonah in hebrew that's the language of our old testament it means mindset say he has a mindset Here's the dangerous thing about having a mindset that has been set wrong, is that sometimes the only way to break it is to make you lose your mind so that you finally get to your right mind. And for some of you, what you've had to go through the last eight months of this year, it has taken you to the edge of feeling like you lost your mind. Do I have a witness? It made you feel like you were losing it, like you were going crazy. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? I can't stay in this house no more. If I watch one more thing on Netflix, I don't want to Netflix. I don't want to chill. I don't want to... Amazon, I can't do it. Can I help you? Sometimes for God to get you to find your mind, he has to first make you lose your mind because the way your mind was set was set wrong. But I need you to clear this over your next four. Say, but my mind is right now. My mind... 
That's why the Bible says, let this mind that was in Christ be in you also. That means I got to set my mind like him and not allow the misery I've been through to give me the wrong mindset. Jonah's name means mindset. He's the son of this man named Amittai, and Amittai means my truth. So Jonah's mindset is my truth, which means he sees everything his way, and it's dangerous. We live in a culture where people are unwilling to be exposed to truth, where people are unwilling to admit the truth, where you can put it in front of them and they'll still explain it away and say, what you see is not what you see. Don't trust your lying eyes. The son of Amittai, which means my true, and he is from Gath-Hefer. Gath-Hefer means no big deal. So his pedigree, that means his background. I just gave you his name, I gave you his bloodline, and I gave you where he was born. Those three things explain Jonah's problem. Because Jonah's mindset is that his truth says it is no big deal ultimately to defy God. Question, what mindset do you have that God might have to put you in a shark, which means a strange situation for you to lose that mentality? Can we be honest? For many of us, we didn't listen until we lost. Let's talk. We didn't hear until we heard. We wouldn't obey until we were dealing with a bunch of mess and drama. But I'm so excited because that may have been your last decade and your first eight. But in these last four, I need you to open your mouth and say, that won't be my story anymore. Come, come on, I need you to prophesy to your last four months. Say, I'll see God do way more in my last four. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Now, as we're looking at this, I want you to be clear that in Jonah 1, God gives an instruction. Say, he gives an instruction. It's important to understand God doesn't give suggestions. God gives instructions. In other words, directives. In other words, commandments. If you see what God says as an option, then you will always obfuscate it. You will always go around it. You'll always find ways not to do it because you think it is a suggestion, not a command, not a directive. If you're military, any military in the building? A former military, those of you online, if you're former military, just wave at us. We think that you're brave. We think that you're heroes. We think that you're amazing. We don't think like some people think that you're a loser and a sucker. We think that you are incredible. All right, just to be clear what we think about our military. Now, check this out. Check this out. Um, your commanding officers, they didn't make a suggestion to you. They gave you a command. And your response was, yes, sir. In other words, I'm going to get it done. If you are going to be everything God wants for you to be, your response has to be the same way. Not, let me pray about it. Stop. How are you going to pray about God? Let me fast about it. How are you going to fast about God? That is a, watch me, a lot of what Christians say let me pray about is proof of their intentional disobedience. I don't want to obey no how, so I'm going to pray about what I know is God. Mm. So in Jonah 1, God gives an instruction. Everybody say instruction. And Jonah, Jonah doesn't listen because Jonah doesn't take the action to obey. And we understand this principle, that hearing and listening are two different things. That's what a little man was saying to his mom. Little man was saying, Mama, you heard me, but you didn't listen to me because you didn't act based on what you heard. Listening means once I hear it, I act upon it. Question, are you somebody that just hears and does not do, or are you somebody that listens and does? 
Because I can tell you where you're headed based on whether or not you hear or listen. I can tell what's getting ready to happen in your September, your October, your November, and your December predicated upon whether or not you hear or listen. And I hope that if you're in this building, the people on their row are listeners because if not, you don't need their inability to listen rubbing off on you. So can I just get you, if you're sitting next to anybody on your row, just look at them and say, we listen around here. That's... Yeah, I, I, I've been through too much hell not listening. I, I've lost too much not listening. I've cried too many tears not listening. I, I felt like giving up too much because I didn't listen. And, and for the rest of my life, I make a decision that God, if you say it, I believe it. And that settles it. He says, you heard me. This is what the man saying to his mama. You heard me, mama, but you didn't listen to me because you didn't act. Notice in the video, for a moment, just suspend the fact that that's her son and he shouldn't have been talking like that to his mama. Just suspend that fact for just a moment. Pretend like, watch me, pretend like little man, like little man is God. And like the mama is you. Little man says, listen, say your first name. And you respond with, no, you listen. Now, you might say, I'd never say that to God. You didn't have to say it. Your actions did. You didn't have to open your mouth and say anything. The way you acted did. Your attitude did. The frown on your face did. Moving slow to get it done spoke for you. Actions speak louder than words. You hear me? So imagine that God looked at how you acted and said, oh, I can see you didn't say it. You showed me, and I heard what you showed me. In other words, our actions become words. In other words, God says, I heard what you did. And how many of us can be honest that at some point in our lives, we have been like little man's mama. You listen. Come on, if, if, if your hand's not up, you're doing it now. We've all done it. We have all said to God, God, I'm not good enough for that. I ain't doing it. I'm not qualified for that. I'm not even trying. God, I don't even, watch me, I'm sick of people. I don't want to deal with nobody. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me tonight. God, how many of us, our actions have spoken and said to God, I'm not, you listen, Linda. You listen. You listen to me. And look what the look what little man kept doing. Listen, listen, listen. Honey, listen. In this house, stop. He had to let her know. Remember, suspend for a moment that that's the son and that's the mama. God sometimes has to remind you that you are his house. We are the temple of the living God. So every now and then, you get it twisted and think that you run something. Let me translate. Ransom is a southern phraseology that simply means that you are in charge, in control, and run the show. Every now and then, you will try to buck up. And I know that you do it because I watch church folk do it. So I know you do it with God if you do it in church. You try to rise up. I'm going to stand my ground. And ground said, boo, that's my house. <laughs> he says, in this house? 
Jonah's actions were saying to God, I'm not listening to you because I didn't act based on what you said. And Jesus gives us a powerful principle from the amplified version of the scriptures, Luke 8 and 18. I like it because eights uh, represent new beginnings. So whenever you start listening, you can expect a new beginning. And for some of you in the last four months of this year, September, October, November, December, in the last four months of this year, your listening is about to create a new experience for you. Because God's going to say, I can trust you now. Woo! I couldn't trust you in 19. I couldn't trust you the eight, first eight months of this year. But you've been through enough hell to where all I got to do is say jump. And you respond, how high? I wish you would open up your mouth and say, Lord, I'm listening. I, you ain't got to say it twice to me. We don't have to repeat this lesson. I don't need no repeats. I don't even want to watch a rerun. Luke 8, 18. So be careful how you listen. Let's spend some time here. That word listen in Greek, this is the language of our New Testament. This is Luke. This is Dr. Luke speaking, recording the words of Jesus. He says, be careful how you understand. Sometimes we don't listen because we don't understand. And whose fault is that? Yours. When, whenever somebody comes to me and says, there's just a lot of confusion, you know my response is, but they should have said something. I need some of y'all to stop trying to be the class spokesman, speaking for everybody else. But I just think uh, uh, Darlene and Jackie and them, I just think, I, I just think they confused. Well, Darlene and Jackie need to open their mouth and say something. Because all this speaking for the group, I need you to speak for yourself. You ain't responsible for the group. And some of y'all better be careful because the group is used and used to put you out front so that you take the bullet that they should take. So be careful how you listen, how you understand, right? Understanding is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to say, mm -mm, I didn't understand that. Mm -mm, I didn't get that. Let's, let's be clear that we all have maybe struggled with this. Let me prove it to you. Because in school, you didn't get it, but didn't want to say anything because you didn't want other people to think that something was wrong with you. How many of you that ever happened to you in your whole scholastic life? You were like, I'm just finna, I'm just, I'm gonna just go home and see if I can't figure this out. Look at me, you struggled because you were afraid to ask. And what I wanna challenge you in these last four months of this year and challenge you for the rest of your life is never be afraid to ask for clarity. Here's what we do now. When I don't understand, here's what you do, you shut down. And some of you, you've lost friendships because you didn't get an understanding. You just shut down. Some folk have stopped serving because they didn't get an understanding. They just shut down. Some folk have stopped coming to church because they didn't get an understanding. They just shut down. You've lost marriages because you didn't get an understanding. You just shut down. But can I get you to make this declaration and say, not again. Get an understanding. Ask a question. I didn't get that. Hey, when you said you um, hated my guts, did you mean that literally or were you just playing? Especially, listen, I joke a lot, especially when I'm talking to my leaders. I joke a lot. And so I realize that sometimes I have to say I am joking so that everybody understands that I am joking, especially in Denver. You got to be clear. Let's look at the verse. Understand. So that means it's on you. To get an understanding. How do I know that, Bishop? Proverbs says, in all thy getting, you get an understanding. 
So you can't say, well, they should have explained it more clear. You should have asked questions to get clarity. Well, what do you want me to do, ask? Same way you call Comcast about that extra $3.49 on your bill, you need... Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Don't let it be an extra $3 on your bill. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You spend your whole lunch break trying to get that $3 back. Listen. So be careful how you listen. Understand. Then number two, report. So, so watch me. How do you report what you've heard? This is very important because the breakdown in communication normally happens because when we report it, we report it with bias, not with truth. Can I give you an example? Um, y'all seen me do that telephone game thing before, right? Anybody remember telephone, telephone? One person start, and then it goes all the way around, and by the time it gets to the end, it's never right. Because everybody interpreted, didn't, they didn't listen. So when it says report, this means make sure you are reporting what was said, not what you interpreted it to mean. Because many times, watch me, you make conclusions off of interpretations, not realities. I just saved somebody a whole lot of money on your car insurance. Because some of you all, you have people in your life that, that, watch me, that you love, but they irk you. They work your last nerve. I wish some of y'all knew something about a last nerve. It's like you done tipped on every one of the nerves I got. And baby boy, baby girl, you are on that last one. And if I wasn't swayed, I swear for God. But here's why. Look at the verse. Here's why. Because, because you didn't listen. You reported it with bias. You interpreted. I take this to mean, mm-mm, that's not what I said. It's amazing because as a pastor, people say, Bishop, you always say this. And I'd be like, I've never said that. Not all the time, but sometimes. I, I remember one time a man in the vestibule, he came in and said, Bishop, you know, you always say this. And I said, no, I don't. I don't I've never said that, actually. I, that, those words have never come out of my mouth. I said, that's what you interpreted me to say. And I said, the interpretation is still good, but it's not accurate. It's incomplete. All right? Look at the next part. It says, Understand, report, then here's the last thing, give audience to. Take heed to who you give audience to. So um, let me have you, let me have you two ladies, please, on the front row. All right, and then, let's, come on, come on, you was getting up, come on. There you go, here we go. We'll make it do what it do. Come on, everybody. All right, now listen, all right, can I have you all just make a little semicircle right here, a little semicircle. Give me semicircle game music right here. It's a game show. It's a game show. Semicircle. Not a baseball game, semi-circle, semi-circle, semi-circle. Give me like Ricky Lake, something like that, okay? Uh, come on, come on, what we got? Let's go, let's go. All right, what we got? He gave me Montel Williams. That ain't, <laughs> that ain't, Ricky, that ain't Ricky Lake. All right, that'll work. We'll take that. Right, so here's the thing. If I am, watch me, if I am on a show, Y'all ready? Y'all with me? If I'm on this show, I'm the host, these are the guests. Who's the audience? Who's the audience in this scenario? People in here, people watching. You got that? Here's what often happens in life. You reverse the audience. What do you mean? You are not giving audience to the right voices because you're trying to impress the wrong people. 
So what ends up happening is that, listen, y'all are having a conversation with me that the people on camera are watching, that the people in the room are watching. But here's the deal. Here's what happens on every show. Then two of the guests make each other their audience. And some of y'all seen some of them shows, come on, be Steve. Some of y'all seen some of them shows where they start squabbling. And then they start getting into it. They start getting into it. And then, watch me, they've forgotten, listen, she's not your audience. You're giving audience to the wrong people. And so consequently now, you have taken your focus off of what matters. And you've placed your focus on somebody that's been where they're going. See, some of you all, you've given audience to cursed family members and they ain't going nowhere. And God says, why are you the one that's listening? Why are you listening to them? Why is the blessed consulting the cursed? So then, now that y'all have gotten distracted, now Steve got to run in and fight and stop y'all from fighting. Pull them apart, Steve. They ain't really fighting, no. Can, can y'all, you know, y'all just, just, you know, just give me some real, you know, little semi-real, you know, corona-appropriate squabbling. There we go. All right, come on, Steve. All right, now help break it up. Y'all got to break it up, break it up. Now you got to pull her away. 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 Now, what did we just do? We just wasted time. What did we just do? We just wasted focus. What did we just do? We just wasted energy. And for many of you, you waste energy because you don't give audience to the right voices. But can I get you to lift your hands and worship God for five seconds that for the rest of this year and the rest of your life, your audience will be to give your audience to the Lord and to God's word and to the voices that can be trusted. Come on, worship five. Come on, thank you all. Four, come on, worship three, two, one. Say, Lord, I give audience to you. This is so important because if you give your audience to somebody that doesn't have anything, they won't want you to have anything. It's who do you give your audience to? Who gets your audience? Who is it that you give audience to? So look at the verse. Take heed to how you listen, understand, report, give audience to. For whoever has a teachable heart. This means to listen, I have to be a student. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, so you're just going to talk? I said, because if so, I can set the phone down and let you go ahead and talk. And, and then I said, because you're just talking. I said, you're not listening. I said, because a student has a teachable heart. A student listens because they realize I'm about to learn something. Many times in life, we operate like we're the expert. So we're not listening. We're preparing to respond. So while they're talking, blah, 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 this is all you hear, blah, 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 what's the thing, wah, 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 and then once you don't hear no more movement, I understand that, but what I'm saying is, no, you don't understand that, because you didn't hear nothing she said. You didn't hear anything he said. God is the same way. God says, okay, so in prayer, so you're just going to talk the whole time? you just literally going to ask me for stuff the whole time. You ain't going to let me respond. Why do I have you worship in church? Because watch me. The word is for you. He knows his word. The response to his word is us worshiping. All right. So let's go. For whoever has a teachable heart to him, more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a longing for truth, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. So he says, listen, if you're not a student, which means when you are in an environment to listen, he says, if you're not a student, the little you think, you know, you'll lose that. Okay, so here's the question. Bishop, why are some reasons that we don't listen? Today's message is called, by the way, take heed how you listen. 
because that's the way the King James, New King James reads for Luke 8, 18. In English standard, and amplified rather, it says, be careful how you listen. New King James says, take heed how you listen. In other words, he says, pay attention to how you listen. He says, because how you listen determines what you heard. The issue is with your how. And for many Christians, watch me, you hear all things new, you heard, gone and moved. You heard all things new, and you heard, that means quit your job and just trust God all day. And I'm not, not saying that might not be the case. The point is, is take heed how you listen. So what are some reasons we don't listen? There are four primary reasons we don't listen. This is where we're going to spend the majority of this message. You ready? Y'all ready? Exodus 6, 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses. Why? They had a broken spirit and they had been through harsh slavery. Whenever you are broken, you are normally very difficult to deal with because anything broken doesn't work well. Become very difficult to deal with. Listen, broken folks, and I know we love to, Lord, just break me and break. Listen, you need to be careful with them prayers. Lord, just break me and make me, shake me and make me, mow me and mow me, choose me and use me, chastise me, revive me. That's what Kirk said. I did that. I didn't say that. I did not say that. I, because when you have a broken spirit, spirit men mentality, when you have a broken mindset, anything broken is difficult to deal with. If you have a broken phone cover, you'll cut your finger. You have a broken computer, it won't connect to the internet. You have a broken car, you got to pray in tongues to get it to start. So what happens when you have a broken spirit is you are difficult to deal with. Watch me, for no benefit. You're just difficult. He says they didn't listen because their spirit was broken. They had lost their will to fight. And what else happened to them? They had harsh slavery. So what were they broken for? Because of their past. Often, if you were a person that never felt like you were listened to, you don't listen now. When I was coming up and shit, my mom never listened, my dad never listened, and so you know what? I just made a decision. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. What logical sense does that make? It doesn't because when you have a broken spirit because of your harsh past, you aren't logical. You're illogical. You think everybody should listen to you because you're breathing, but that you should listen to no one. It's quiet in this church. Evidently, we up in here. What's the Kool-Aid flavor? Red. He says they didn't listen because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. They didn't listen because their mentality was broken. They didn't actually want results. They wanted attention. There's a difference. You have some people in your life that the reason y'all keep having the same discussions is because they don't actually want for it to get better. They want attention. And they know you pay them attention when y'all keep going through that same thing. So, so what they want is they want attention. They don't want to get better. They want attention. Right? Here's the second reason that people don't listen. It's found in Judges chapter 2, verse 17. Yet they did, this one's fun, you ready? Th yet they did, y'all ready? Yet they did not listen to their judges or their leaders because they are hard after other gods. You see it right there on your Bible. Bible says they hoard after other gods. They was out there whoremongling after other sources. What does this mean? If, if I was to read this verse to you in full context, you'd see the principle. They would literally offer themselves up to the highest bidder 
that they could see as a source. So they said they don't listen to leaders. They don't listen to God-appointed leadership. Mm -hmm. They don't listen to their judges because they hoard themselves after who will pay them the most. Pay them the most attention. Pay them the most phone calls. Pay them the most, you right? Pay them the most co-signing on their calamity. See, some of you have family members, you have relatives like that, that they don't listen to you because you don't pay the price. You, <laughs> I'm trying to clean this up. You, you, you won't allow yourself to, you won't allow for them to put themselves on a platter to whore them out. So because they don't like your response to what you say, because you're going to give them Bible, you're going to give them word, you're going to send them a YouTube, you're going to send them a podcast. So listen, so they talk about you because you're trying to give them answers. But the reality is, is one that sits there and says, oh my God, I know it's so rough for you. I know it's so bad for you. Oh, child. They, because every whore has a price. And if you pay the price for the whore, then the whore will lay with you. I'm just, this is English standard. This isn't even. So we often don't listen because we haven't given God our attention, but because we have given our attention to whoever makes us feel good for that moment. And if. And if you don't make them feel good in that moment, they'll get on the app and find another. It's 21st century hoarding. All right, let's move. Third reason people don't listen. But they would not listen. Here we go. But were, come on, stubborn. Like they mama them. Like they daddy them. Why were they stubborn? Because they didn't believe in the Lord. We are stubborn when we do not believe. Our stubbornness is really a form of unbelief. I won't change because I don't think changing is going to do anything for me. I won't do different because I don't think doing different is going to do anything for me. Y'all are quiet in here tonight. I am not going to make a change or do anything differently because if I do anything differently, I don't believe it's going to benefit me. So as a result, I know you asked for that, but I'm not doing it because I don't believe it's going to do anything. We often don't listen because we're stubborn. How many of you, I can tell by the, how quiet it got in this room, how many of you, you can admit there's some areas of your life you've been stubborn? Right? That's all of us. That's all of us. Some of you, watch me, you're stubborn about stuff that you think is Bible that's not. You think running to the rescue of people all the time is biblical. Ooh. So you're stubborn about, watch me, being used by people. Mm. You're stubborn. Stubborn. I'm not moving. I'm not changing. I'm not doing different. I'm not acting different. I'm not moving different. I'm not going to do it different because I'm stubborn. And notice what the verse says. Just leave it there for me. It says, but they would not listen. They were stubborn as what as their fathers had been, which means this is a generational curse. Your mama was like that. Her mama was like that. Her mama was like that. They're stubborn. I will not be moved. And not in a good way. Like you need to move. 
You need to do different. But I won't do different because I'm stubborn. Daddy was like that. His daddy was like that. His daddy was like that. Everybody's like that. You know what's amazing to me? Can I be honest with you? The most stubborn people are often the ones with, watch me, the least to lose. It's like, why are you stubborn? None of us should be. But you ever looked at somebody and you were like, now come on now, look here, Jackie. Now why are you stubborn? Come on, y'all, please. I'm trying to keep this nice and clean. Come on now. You ever looked at somebody that you're like, listen, you could use your, I ain't trying to go outside and do all this exercise and all that y'all doing. Baby, come on. Why are you stubborn? Y'all don't like this. Let's move. <laughs> yeah, looked at somebody that did a bunch of complaining. You gave a solution. Mm. I don't know about that. You just spent 45 minutes complaining. I gave you a solution. Why are you stubborn? Here's the, here's the fourth reason that people are often stubborn. <laughs> Jeremiah 7, 26. Y'all okay? Yet they did not listen to me nor incline their ear, but they stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. So 2 Kings says they were as their fathers. Jeremiah says they're worse than their fathers. So what is this type of not listening? It's protection. I don't want to listen because listening makes me feel vulnerable. So what does this mean? I have a submission problem. I don't want nobody telling me nothing. Put the mask on. I ain't putting no mask on. It's my face. Y'all don't like this. All right? Back when we could touch our neighbors. Now you wish you could touch your neighbor. Don't touch them now. But back when we touched our neighbor, I ain't touching my neighbor. Like, why not? Like, what's going to happen? Other than you activate Matthew, which says, where two or three touch agreeing on anything, it shall be done for them. So now what's happened? Now you got to self-agree because you can't touch and agree. Right? Okay. Give God praise. Uh-uh, I ain't doing it. Like, why would you not? I don't want nobody seeing me vulnerable. Like, fellas, like, we could never, ever get to the place to where we think that it's not masculine to worship. Worship is the height of our masculinity. <laughs> David said, let me preach for a minute. David said, listen, uh, he was dancing because the Lord had given him a great victory. And he was dancing. And Abigail comes down and says, why is the king dancing like this? The Bible says that David looked at him and says, woman, if you knew what I had to get through to get here, he said, listen, you'll understand why I praise him. And he said, as a matter of fact, I'm about to act more undignified than this. So David started praising and worshiping to the point to where he came up out of his clothes because he said I'm a whole man and as a whole man I'm about to give a great God a great let me give everybody in the room and everybody watching an opportunity men and women I want to give you 15 seconds to let your God know that you are not too proud to worship you're not too strong to worship you're not too masculine to worship you're not too feminine to worship you're not too bougie to worship you're not too arrogant to worship. You're not too dainty to worship. You're not too educated to worship. It is 
the God that I serve. He's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is. I will bless the Lord when? At all times. And if he's been real good to me, watch me give him a praise at Target. Watch me give him a praise at the mall. Watch me give him a praise at the car lot. Watch me. Somebody say he's been that good to me. Because, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. People don't listen. Let's go back to the last verse. They don't listen because they stiffen their neck. In other words, I refuse to see it another way. I've stiffened my neck. I refuse to consider anything that would make me vulnerable. And can I be honest with you? You are the ones where when you hurt, God has to hurt you to the depth of your soul. Because you're stiff-necked. And when you're stiff-necked, you can't just go through a breakup. You got to have what's love got to do with it, part 15. Because you don't listen because you won't see it another way because you don't want to be vulnerable. I think it's a few of y'all in this building and I think it's a few of y'all online that can say, God, I don't need you to hurt me to the depth of my soul no more because I refuse to be stiff-necked. I'll move my neck. What does that mean? I'll see it from another perspective. I'll see it from another angle. I don't mind being vulnerable. If you stiffen your neck, when you have an accident, you'll break your neck because you tensed up in what you were supposed to relax in. So in your effort to prevent hurt, you created worse hurt than what it really would have been. See, many people, you don't listen because you don't want to feel like you were wrong. You are so focused on being right. You are so focused on being the one that came up with the good idea. You are so focused on your wife knowing who's in charge. Y'all ain't gonna talk. You are so focused on your husband knowing he need to listen to you. You are so focused on making sure that everybody sees you as right that you stiffen your neck. And God says, the only way I can get through to you is I gotta hurt you to your soul. Because stiff-necked people don't listen. Because they won't see it from another perspective. They won't see it from another angle. They won't do anything that makes them feel vulnerable. Question, would you want to be in a relationship with somebody that was never vulnerable with you? Lois Lane didn't like Superman. She liked Clark. Bishop, how do you know that? Uh, she liked the strength of Superman, but she liked the vulnerability of Clark. You'll miss what I'm saying. That's why, who did she have her greatest conversations with? His vulnerability. Who did she get most excited to see? His strength. What are you trying to tell me, Bishop? You need both of them. Let's go. You need to be strong and vulnerable at the same time. You need to not be afraid of where you've been, but need to know where you're headed at the same, same time. All right? So, Jonah doesn't listen. Then he leaves. We learn this, that Jonah <laughs> takes a trip. <laughs> He buys a boat ticket, and he's thrown overboard from that boat because the Lord does what? He hurls a storm at the boat. And on the boat, they decide, Jonah tells them, throw me overboard. And when you throw me overboard, 
your storm is going to stop. And I taught you on Sunday to make sure that you listen to people because they will always tell you when they're a Jonah. A Jonah is not like a Judas. A Judas hides. A Jonah tells. A Jonah will tell you who they are. I think I'm the problem. Great. Thanks, Jonah. We appreciate that. <laughs> you all appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So they tossed Jonah overboard. But before they tossed Jonah overboard, what did they try to do? They try to row harder. In other words, they say, we're going to keep Jonah over on board because maybe, watch me, maybe Jonah's wrong. So watch me. Jonah didn't listen. Now the people around him don't listen to him. Stop. When you don't listen, you have to reap what you sow. Some of you all, what you're dealing with, you're like, they don't listen, Bishop. You're reaping what you sow. My wife don't listen. You don't listen. My kids don't listen. You don't listen. My boss won't listen. You don't listen. So what did God do for Jonah? He gave him what he gave him. He said, Jonah, you want to give me not listen? I'm going to give you some people that don't listen to you. So all y'all going to be in this storm together until somebody catches a clue. I need you to go because we're almost done. Just say, Lord, I'm listening. Come on, say it with me. Say, Lord, I'm listening. So he's thrown overboard. They eventually throw him overboard. And then when they do that, their storm stops immediately. There are certain things that cannot happen when certain people are present. The storm would not stop while, they, while Jonah was present. They prayed to their gods. The storm wouldn't stop. And what ends up happening? These men be, get saved and they sow. I talked to you that on Sunday. Now, the Lord appoints once Jonah's thrown overboard. Last piece of this and we're done. You getting something tonight? The Lord appoints a big fish to swallow him. And we learned one week ago that that fish was a shark. Because in a shark, digestion takes time. And whenever a shark doesn't want something, it will literally turn its stomachs, plural, two of them, turn them inside out and vomit it back out. So what we saw was natural to the shark. You thought for years was supernatural. You said, what fish would spit him up? It was already natural for a shark to do it. How he spit him up and when he spit him up was because the Lord spoke to the fish and said, now spit him up. He finally gets it. So the Lord appoints a big fish to swallow Jonah. And I said to you, another word for shark could be what? A situation. A situation with two stomachs. <laughs> that means there's two dimensions to the same problem. So once I think I'm over it, I only went into the next compartment where it was another dimension of the same issue. And for some of you, let's be honest, you faced some things that you thought I'm good and to only discover you were in the second stomach. Come on, come on. But I need to prophesy to you, God's about to vomit you up out of that mess. What does that mean? Whatever situation you were in, but you were in the next dimension of it, please lift your hands so I can prophesy. I declare God speaking to your situation. God is speaking to your shark, and you are coming out. Open your mouth, please, and shout, I'm coming out. Say it like you're going to see more in these next voice. Say, I'm coming out. So here's the question. What happened in the now before we look at the shark summit? Let me show you this map again of what Jonah did. Jonah was, he went down to Joppa. He was supposed to go to where? Nineveh. Nineveh was how many miles away? 550. What does he do? He buys a ticket to go to what? 
Tarsus. Tarsus means house of fish. God used the big fish to eat him or, or to uh, swallow him. Even that language is powerful because God says, I don't want him to bite you because you're not done after this. I don't want him to wound you because I'm going to need you to run once you get up out of this. I don't know who this is for. God says, I just need him to hold you for a little bit. And some of you, you felt like your life has been in a holding pattern. I felt my help coming right there. You felt like you've been stuck. Who am I talking to? Like you've just been holding. Like this ain't finished. This ain't finished. This I'm holding. I'm like a plane that has been going around. I'm like a plane that has been going around. I've been holding. But you better hear me. That holding pattern was to prepare you for your next. Please, come on. Say the holding was to prepare you for your So look, he goes and he's on this trip. And everybody looking on the screen, if you look where the water turns deepest blue or darkest blue, that's where the water is deepest. That's where the shark is at. Because sharks only swim in deep water. They only come to shallow water when you're about to feed. Which tells you, that's what the Bible says, and the Lord appointed a big fish. Because in other words, he had to call the fish from the coast to the deep. There's some stuff you're like, how am I dealing with this? This doesn't even match my location. This doesn't match this decade of my life. For some of you, you had a birthday, you said, I thought this year was going to be different. This doesn't even match. But I need you to hear me. Somebody say, God's using it. God's. So look, so look, so look. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. While he's in the belly of the fish, this is what happens. Then Jonah prayed. It's the first thing he did when he was in the belly of the fish. He prayed. What do we do? Panic. Complain. Can I be honest with you, though? It doesn't say Jonah didn't do that. It just doesn't take the time to record it. Because it's not important. Then Jonah prayed. Stop. What happened before? Jonah probably responded how many of us would. I can't believe this. God, I ain't perfect. But I live better than Shirley. I don't know why. I introduced a new character, Jackie, Darlene, and Shirley. (laughs) It's my characters. That's all right, fellas. I got some, some men characters for us, too. All right. Y'all ready? Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from where? From the belly of the fish. You know you somebody bad. And by bad, I mean good. When you ain't praying from the coast, you ain't praying sitting, by, uh, sitting with a, a, a shade because you on the beach having vacation. But you're praying in the midst of your situation. Let's go. I need some of y'all to know the best place to birth your best prayer is in the belly of a shark. You want to know when you get spiritual when you're in the belly of a shark? You want to know when you get spiritual is when you're in the middle of hell, when you're in the middle of going through trials and tribulations. Somebody say, it made me spiritual. Let's check the room. Is there anybody that can be honest that your worst moment produced your best prayers this year? Let's go. 
there anybody where you can be honest that your worst situations produced your greatest worship this year, your greatest worship this decade? For some of you, you at church tonight because you in a shark. You watching online now because you in a shark. Open your mouth and say, thank God for my shark. Come on. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, which means God says, I'm going to see how you act in it before I take you out of it. For some of you, what you're in is an audition for your next. And if you don't handle this shark right, all you got coming after this shark is an octopus. Y'all think so? They're going to have you wrapped up <laughs> or locked, whatever. Whatever. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Look, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. And here's what he said. I called out to the Lord out of my what? Out of my distress. So now we know that Jonah, the Bible just didn't record it, but when Jonah went down there, Jonah was cussing. I don't like your silence because I can, I can name all the cussers in the room right now. <laughs> it's written all over your face. You don't have to say a word. You already said them. <laughs> I ain't judging either. Listen, look. I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And what happened? He answered me. God says, I'm going to answer you, but I'm not moving you out of that. I'm going to talk to you, but you're going to have to listen extra hard to hear me through the shark. God, I want to throw this mic. You're going to have to listen extra hard to hear me through your situation. This is why sometimes you say I ain't saying nothing. It's not that I'm not saying nothing. You just aren't quiet enough. You have too many distractions. You're always on the phone, Jackie. Put the phone down. Listen, who is Jackie, Darlene, and Charlotte? They are just characters that we make up for preaching. You're always on that phone. You are always watching something. You're always cooking something. Why are you making cakes and pies at 1030 at night? Y'all ain't going to talk to me. I got the Holy Ghost. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. I got the Holy Ghost. God says, you are distracting yourself, which is why you can't hear. You're going to have to listen extra hard to hear me because I'm not taking you out of the situation. You're going to have to hear me in it. What? Open your mouth and say, I hear you in it, God. While you can't do nothing right now until Corona lifts, you have to say, I hear you in it, God. While you can't do nothing because you don't know what's going to happen with your job, I hear you in it, God. While you can't do nothing because your house won't sell, I hear you in it, God. So look, and he answered me out of the belly, here it is, of Sheol. That means hell. He says, this feels like hell. I'm going through pure D. But out of that, I cried. Not tear cry, but I opened my mouth cry. One of the reasons you hear me say open your mouth a lot, not just because life and death are in the power of your tongue, but like any good parent, God knows when you cry. If right now we would have said a bunch of babies in the vestibule, and I know some of you are like, Bishop, don't pray that over me because I didn't raise my kids. I'm grown. Mama got to have a life too. I'm not speaking it over. I'm just saying you can hear your child's voice out of the midst of a bunch of other voices. I wish this is why some of y'all you can have a bunch of kids playing together and your kid holler and you'd be like, mm -mm, that's mine right there. I can tell it's 
40 million kids out there. How you can tell? Because I know mine. When Jonah cried, God said, I know mine. That's mine right there. I need you to say, I am his. I know mine. And I heard mine cry out. Verse 3. For you cast me into the deep. Wow. Guys, please, if you haven't paid attention to the rest of the message, pay attention to these next four minutes. You cast me into the deep. In other words, he says, God, I'm in this because of you. He's like, I got enough sense to know the devil didn't have the power to do this. You allowed this. And I know why you allowed it. Because I didn't listen. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. Your waves and your billows passed over me. Jonah, how are you hearing all that in the fish? Because when you're in a situation, what you hear is what surrounds the situation. Some of you, you've made the situation worse than it really is because the only thing you're listening to is the reverberation of the situation. So it's not as big as you're making it out to be. The only thing you hear, though, is the flood and the billows and the waves. I need you to say, it's not as bad as I think. Mm. Come on, I need you to make that declaration, y'all. Give me three more minutes. Say, it's not as bad as I think. Let's go further. So it says in verse 4, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. Watch his back and forth. It's like an Aaliyah song. Back, back, forth, and forth. Let me see you go. Look, he says, I'm driven away from your sight. He's like, I feel so far from you right now. But the truth is, I'm in this because I was running from you in the first place. Look, but I'm going to look again. Somebody say faith rose up. Look at verse 5. The waters closed in over me to take my life. He said, this thing got so bad, I thought I was going to die in it. This thing got so bad, I didn't want to live. This thing, watch me, if we're honest, we've all had moments like that where we're like, this thing is so bad. I could just, you know what? Oh, I'm going to get in your business now since you ain't going to say amen. I'll use the Holy Ghost against you. <laughs> Not against you, but you know. You started writing the note. You started writing stuff that you wanted people to say. I'm in the Holy Ghost because some of you, you began to write plans for your own funeral. Look at me. Look at the verse. He says, you, the waters closed in over me to take my life. Please listen. The deep surrounded me. You ready for this? In Hebrew, deep means confusion. So what's going on in the belly? I'm confused. I don't know to go forward, back up, down, left, right, because all I see is dark. If I do this, dark. If I do that, dark. If I do this, dark. If I try this, dark. If I try that, dark. If I try that, dark. I'm confused. But then, watch me, the weeds were wrapped around my head. Are you ready for this? Weeds in Hebrew means papyrus, which means paperwork, which means decisions. He says, these decisions are swirling around in my head. And I'm suffering from decision fatigue. I have so many decisions to make, I don't want to make none of them. 
I wish some of y'all, watch me, online do the hand wave emoji in this building. Over the last eight months, have you had decision fatigue? Well, you were like, I just got so many things to decide, I don't even. My head is surrounded by paperwork, decisions. And I'm confused about the decisions to make. I don't know what to do. And it's wrapped around my head, which means it's controlling my mind. So I don't sleep good because my head, where you at? Where you at Wednesday? Where y'all at online? I can't even rest well. When I, when I lay down to take a nap, my nap ain't even joyful because I've got all of this paperwork wrapped around my head. can't even sit and eat and enjoy a meal with nobody because while I'm sitting having the meal, I got paperwork on my mind. I got decisions on my mind. This is what's going on for Jonah. And look at verse 6. At the root of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed on me forever. He said, I feel like I'm locked up. So I'm locked up. I'm confused. And I have decision fatigue. I'm tired of making decisions. Everybody look at me. Even the strongest in this room and the strongest online, you've had a moment where you said, I just don't want to decide nothing. Can I tell you, you're dealing with decision fatigue. It takes you 25 minutes to figure out what to have for lunch and you only have four options. You've been on that app for 25 minutes. I don't know. That's a $2 delivery fee, I don't know. Let me try to get a dash pass, let me see. <laughs> Y'all here? Look, it was so bad, he said, I'm locked out of my own life. Look at me, you ready? I'm watching my life, I'm not living it. Anybody? Felt like that at any point, ever. I'm watching me, but I'm not living it. And that has come to its end. First Samuel 3.19, and the Lord was with Bishop and let not one of his words fall to the ground. I'll say it again so you catch it this time. That has come to its end. He says, they close on me forever, which means I feel like this is going to be like this forever. He says, yet, shut up. Can I just get you to act, just get somebody you're mad at on your phone line? Because you'll say it strong when you do that. You got him? Say, shut up. Y'all really, everybody needs to do a session so we can deal with your anger. Go to the website, let's deal with this anger you got. All right, you ready? Check this out. He says, I'm confused. I got all these decisions to make. And I feel like I'm locked away from my own life. Yet! <laughs> Where are you getting it from? It's on the screen. Somebody say, I'm in my yet. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I need you to walk out of this building tonight and log off of this stream tonight knowing that things have changed for you. Say, I'm in my yet. 
yet you brought up my life from the pit. You pulled me out of Sheol. You pulled me out of confusion. You gave me the wisdom to make the right. I pray for your decision maker. You ain't going to make no bad decisions in these next four. You're not going to make any uh, 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 flesh decisions in these next four. You're about to do exactly what God wants you to do because everything is working together for your good. Please say I'm in my yet. is this verse 7 when my life was fainting away now look at this I was going to hide because I was overwhelmed all that sleeping you've been doing all that excessive napping you've been doing four naps two of them all that not being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there not doing what you say you're going to do not keeping your word. Somebody said, that's over. He said, I was going, that, that term fainting away, that's what it means in Hebrew. I was going to hide because I was overwhelmed. What did he do? Please, it's underlined. Can I get you to shout it with me? I remembered the Lord. What is Jonah trying to tell you about this whole situation? I got into this because I forgot. I forgot your God, not me. I forgot the way you provided for me last year. I forgot the way you provided for me last decade. I forgot. So this shark has helped me to remember. In other words, let me see if I can say it another way. If I remember, that means now I'm listening. Y'all go catch it in a minute. Say, I'm listening now. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake the hope of their steadfast love. Verse 9, everybody please say this with me. But I with the voice of thanksgiving. Stop. Here's the first thing Jonah did as he began to listen. He said, I need to give you some thanks. He said, I need to give you some thanks. He says, because you know what? You could have let this thing kill me. You could have let this thing take me out. You could have let him dive so deep that the pressure of the death ended up taking me out because I was in his stomach. But you didn't let the pressure take me out. I owe you some thanksgiving across America and around the world. I know you might be tired. I know you worked all day. But I just think there's a few thankful people. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my life. I'm thankful for where I'm living. I'm thankful for what I have. I'm thankful that I may not be where I want to be. But I can thank God that I'm not where I used to be. I am thankful. I am grateful. I appreciate you. Shout, I'm thankful. Shout it again. I'm thankful. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What's the sacrifice Jonah's going to give? Him. Jonah said, Lord, you get me back. Because I stopped sacrificing me. How do I know that? Because when you told me to do something, I thought it was about me. So because I didn't want to do it, I didn't sacrifice me. I thought you asked me if I wanted to do it. I thought you asked me how I felt about it. You don't care about that. 
Not because you don't care, you just don't care about that. So I'm going to give you me. <laughs> you get me, Jesus. And not get me like I'm doing you a favor. You get me like if I don't give you me, I'm stuck in here. Because after three days, my body will begin to decay. So if I don't get this lesson by the end of this third day, the fourth day, watch me, that's the day that my body would decay. That's why with Lazarus, Jesus had to get there before the end of that third day. Because if it goes into the fourth day, the human body begins to decay. That's why Jesus spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. So that when he resurrected, his body wouldn't decay. Come on. So with Jonah, if I don't get this lesson by tonight, and for some of you, this is not just another message. This is God literally saying to you, baby girl, son, daughter, son. If you don't get this tonight, say, Lord, I get it. I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. He says, I will do everything I told you I was going to do. Y'all still here? Salvation belongs to who? The Lord. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word decision to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. 
Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.